It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KBMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, October 15th, 2021. A quick reminder, you have 15 days left to finish your Halloween costume. I'm Kelly Reese and this is the KBMR Evening News. Tonight on the California Report, a roundup of the state's COVID-19 news as we mark a grim milestone in the pandemic. And in Fresno County, social workers are criticizing the treatment of children in facilities operated by the county's Department of Social Services. We'll take a brief look at local entertainment news and weather before Felton Pruitt speaks to violinist Daryl Anger. Daryl is set to perform this Wednesday at the newly renovated Nevada Theater. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in San Francisco today. California hit a grim milestone this week. The latest numbers from Johns Hopkins University show that COVID-19 has claimed the lives of 70,000 Californians, a number larger than the population of Palo Alto. But more recent trends in the state are very positive, with infections, hospitalizations, and deaths all down because of vaccinations and mask use. And as KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports, in Los Angeles, the number of new infections among school children is also subsiding. Last week, 591 students and 88 school staff members in L.A. County tested positive, a 45 percent drop from the week before. County Health Director Barbara Ferrer credits community and staff vaccinations and routine testing and mask wearing in many districts, including L.A. Unified. Given that we have more than 1.7 million children and staff attending or working at over 3,000 schools countywide, these are strikingly low numbers. While cases among students are down, outbreaks of three or more cases related to schools have gone up. Most of them were in elementary schools where children are too young to be vaccinated and will have to wait until at least November. That's when a CDC group meets to review the data on shots for 5 to 11-year-olds. Ferrer estimated that's about 900,000 children in L.A. County alone. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. In related news, thousands of employees with the Los Angeles Unified School District face a vaccination deadline today. Teachers and staff are required to get at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine or they won't be able to return to their campus. Here's L.A. Unified Deputy Superintendent Pedro Salcido speaking at this week's Board of Education meeting. We know that as we head into next week, we will have individuals who have not been vaccinated. Those employees that are not vaccinated, we're going to ask not to report to their sites because they have not met their baseline verification for, for the district. This will have potential impacts at our schools, and we are preparing for that and building in contingency plans. The district has extended the deadline for full vaccination for those getting the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine until November 15th. San Francisco and Marin counties are loosening some COVID-19 mask rules starting today. That as transmission and hospitalization rates continue to drop. The changes affect offices, gyms, religious gatherings, and indoor college classes with 100 or fewer people. That's if the people running those spaces want to loosen the rules and can verify that everyone there is vaccinated who's eligible to be vaccinated, and if there's proper ventilation and no recent COVID outbreaks. Indoor masking rules remain in effect for places used by the wider public, like retail stores, elevators, lobbies, and restrooms. 
In Fresno County, social workers are criticizing the treatment of children in facilities operated by the county's Department of Social Services. Staff say children who've been removed from their families because of abuse or neglect are living in inhumane conditions while they're waiting to be placed in foster care. Images released by the social service workers show the children sleeping on yoga mats placed on top of desks or on the ground. Staff also complain that the children don't have access to enough showering facilities and nutritious food. Fresno County's administrative officer, John Rousseau, has personally apologized for conditions and says he's issued an emergency order to buy cots, mattresses, and hygiene kits for children in the county's care. The county's also converting an old office building into a temporary care center for children. Support for the California Report comes from Blue Shield of California, rebuilding the future of health care with every Californian in mind, from quality and equitable care to not-for-profit values. Learn more at news.blueshieldca.com. Paint Care, now with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And now to a preview of our sister show, the California Report's weekly magazine. This week, Hector Arzate tells us about an effort to tell the forgotten history of Chinese immigrants in Humboldt County, immigrants who were expelled. There used to be Chinatown here, not only a Chinatown, but a thriving, vibrant Chinatown. And it's no longer here. And we don't even talk about it. That's Brienne Merja D'Souza. She's the coordinator for the Eureka Chinatown Project. And for the past year, she's been fighting to memorialize the city's historic Chinatown. Katie Bush, who's the executive director of the local museum, has been facilitating educational tours here. She says in 1885, nearly all Chinese residents were expelled from Eureka. There was a precedent around the West to do things like burn down Chinatowns with the residents inside. Chinese immigrants helped shape California as we know it today. But after a white city councilman was shot and killed, locals blamed the Chinese residents. And it wasn't long before a mob formed. Eureka went a different route and they told all the Chinese residents that within 48 hours, all the residents had to be out of Chinatown going to San Francisco. Katie says it became known as the Eureka Plan, and it was touted as very successful in its time. This nonviolent way of removing people from places where they've lived for decades, or, you know, many years in some cases. But how can it be nonviolent if you're forcibly removing people? A man named Charlie Moon is thought to be one of the only Chinese immigrants who never left Humboldt County in 1885. His great-great Great-granddaughter Yolanda Latham says the recognition is long overdue. When you look around Humboldt County or any county in California, you have to ask yourself, how did they get that? How did that road get there? Who did that? I think we need to be honest about the history. That's the California Report magazine's Hector Arzate. To hear more about Eureka's Chinatown, you can tune into the show on this station or download the podcast. 
And that's this edition of the California Report for Friday, October 15th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Tovin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Saul Gonzalez, today in San Francisco. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day and weekend. Before we get into today's local entertainment news, a quick heads up. The U.S. Forest Service reports toxic algae detected in Prosser and Oregon Creek. Stay away from algae and scum in the water. Don't let pets go in the water, drink the water, or eat scum on the shore and do not eat shellfish from this water body. And now for local entertainment news. This evening at 8 p.m., the Center for the Arts in downtown Grass Valley presents Bedouin and Vetiver. If you're in the mood for what the center dubs 60s folk meets 70s country funk with the glimmer of bossa nova, look no further than Bedouin. A spooky soiree of sights and sounds will commence at 7 this evening in the Sacred Underground Gallery on Commercial Street in downtown Nevada City. The gallery bids you join them as they celebrate the season of spook with sounds by DJ Lamort and Bay Area violinist Alan Chen and sights by Nevada City's finest underground artists. And that fall inspiration just keeps coming. Tomorrow is Auburn's Community Harvest Festival from 10 to 4 at Recreation Park. The event features live music, giant pumpkin and scarecrow contests, arts and crafts booths showcasing local artisans, a costume contest, and parade for young and old alike. In addition, there will be old-school carnival games and food booths hosted by local nonprofits. You might need a nice breather after shoveling all that candy corn down your gullet. Relax in the newly renovated Nevada Theater, Saturday evening, as fiddle player Alastair Frazier and cellist Natalie Haas perform in this historic venue. Frazier has been described as, quote, the Michael Jordan of Scottish fiddling. What more could you want for your Saturday? This Sunday afternoon, In Concert Sierra presents one of the top chamber orchestras in the world, Le Violin du Roy, conducted by Jonathan Cohen and featuring renowned mandolinist Avi Avital. The French-Canadian Chamber Orchestra, based in Quebec City, has a vast repertoire of 17th and 18th century music. Partake in Autumn Fest this Sunday from 12 to 4 at the North Star House. Tours of the historic house and heritage garden will be in full swing. The event is hosted by the North Star Historic Conservancy and Sir Optimus International of the Sierra Foothills. And be sure to mark your calendars for next weekend. On October 23rd, Stardust Station hosts a benefit for Nevada County Harm Reduction Coalition, which helps continue the work of delivering free Narcan and fentanyl test strips to the community. Music will be by an all-local lineup, including Beautiful Dudes, My Dallas Teens, Last Chance, and DJ Florvato. And now for regional weather and your air quality index. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, Tonight, mostly clear with calm winds and a low around 49. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 76. Light winds blow in during the afternoon. Sunday, mostly sunny with a high near 66. Winds could gust as high as 23 miles per hour. Looks like we have a Michael Jordan theme this newscast. And we may see showers on Sunday evening with a 60% chance of precipitation. Today's air quality is good with an AQI of 48. 
Saturday and Sunday's air quality is projected as good as well, with potential AQIs of 39 and 14, respectively. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly clear with a low around 31. Tomorrow will start out sunny with a high near 67, becoming increasingly cloudy as the day progresses. Sunday partly sunny with a high near 56. Winds could gust as high as 35 miles per hour. Sunday night brings rain before 8 p.m. and possible snow thereafter. New snow accumulation of around an inch is possible. The current air quality is good with an AQI of 6 and Chucky's forecasted air quality for this weekend remains good. Tomorrow's potential AQI is 29, and Sunday's potential AQI is 12. The National Weather Service issues a special weather statement for the Truckee Tahoe region for gusty winds Sunday and rain and snow showers Sunday night into early Monday morning. Large vehicles beware as gusts above 50 miles per hour are expected through wind-prone areas of Highway 395 and I-580. Gusts of 80 to 100 miles per hour are possible across Sierra ridgetops. We could see a couple inches of snow along higher Sierra passes, including Donner Summit, Echo Summit, and Carson Pass. A light rain and snow mix will also be possible across western Nevada valleys by early Monday morning with snow levels dipping near 5,000 feet. These conditions bring with them a wind advisory in effect from 2 p.m. to 11 p.m. Sunday. And for our friends to the south, in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight mostly clear with a low around 49. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 82. Sunday, mostly sunny with gusts as high as 22 miles per hour and a high temperature near 73 degrees. Sunday evening brings cloudy weather and a 50% chance of showers. And not to be outdone by its northern neighbors, Sacramento's current air quality is good, with an AQI of 19. Tomorrow, good, with a potential AQI of 44, and Sunday will be good as well, with a potential AQI of 11. Up ahead, Felton Pruitt speaks to violinist Daryl Anger. We're talking with Daryl Anger, who's going to be playing at the Nevada Theater this coming Wednesday for the Paul Emery Music Series. Daryl, our old friend from Nevada City, it's great to talk with you. Oh, man, Felton, it's great to hear your voice. Great to talk to you, and it's great to know that I'm going to be coming back out there for a couple of days. That place is, is so dear to my heart, and the people, you know. Oh, other cranky old semi-retired artists about my age. I'm just really looking forward to seeing everybody. Well, you're going to be playing with three of them. I sure am. Yeah, some of the most talented people I know, really. It's really going to be great. Um, <laughs> uh, of course, you know, John Gurton, who you know, I've admired for many years. We just met last year for the first time. It's so funny, you know, after, you know, kind of crossing paths backstage for so many years and, and so forth, you know, John's a fantastic musician and of course i've known peter for a couple of years now and yeah peter wilson who i really sort of met well got to know anyway was living up there and just a kind of a genius in so many ways just one of those guys that can do everything and anything you know seems to have a good time doing it and then of course joe craven who is inimitable and nobody has ever been anything like that guy and i've known joe for you know at least 25 30 years now he just keeps getting more and more ridiculously amazing and more himself. 
So it's the four of you, Peter Wilson, Joe Craven, John Gurton, and Daryl Anger, next Wednesday at the Nevada Theater. Doors open at 6.30, show at 7 o'clock, and man, this is going to be like an all-star event. Well, yeah, and a kind of a reunion, you know, all kinds of things. And the difference with this event, I think, is that we were actually preparing <laughs> a bit. You know, we're actually going to do a little rehearsing, and we're kind of trying to decide what we're going to do ahead of time. So I hope it's better. <laughs> it should be better, you know, where everybody's a good improviser. But I think, you know, a little preparation should really, you know, make this thing come up to the, uh, you know, to the standards of the Nevada Theater, which is, of course, you know, such an amazing place. We're talking with Daryl Anger. Daryl, let's let's talk a little bit about your history now. The first time I ran across you was in the David Grisman, I guess, quintet or something back in the late 70s out in San Man, Cruz. Man, so you sure you want to date yourself back that far? I was six. I was six <laughs> years old. You, you were, were eight. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we were very precocious indeed. I mean, we have been doing this for a long time, yeah, whatever it is that we have been doing, and it's uh, I think it shows, you know, I think there's a certain level of uh, solidity, you know, in, in what we're doing. And I think we both gotten to the level of just like, okay, well, you know, this is us. It's just coming straight from the heart, you know, take it or leave it, love it or do it. Well, <laughs> I consider you to be a world-class fiddler. How did you start out in music? Was the violin, the fiddle, your first instrument? The guitar actually was my first instrument because I am of that demographic that got hit by the Beatles very hard. That was my thing. You know, I, I wanted to be George Harrison. And my folks bought me a guitar, which was basically, I mean, at that point, you know, early 60s, you could get a cheap guitar, but it usually was not playable. Now you can get a decent, cheap guitar that anybody can play. And there's so many great guitars that are inexpensive. But back then, it was harder to do. And I couldn't press the strings down on the thing. And so uh, we were in a restaurant or something with my parents, and there was some guy doing the strolling string thing. He was, like, strolling and playing standards. And I'm going, like, wow, that looks a lot easier than the guitar. I'll play that. <laughs> that was my second mistake, you know. But but I've been playing since – I've been playing fiddle since – oh, man, since 72 or something like that. And that, of course, I had been playing violin then but i didn't even know fiddling existed until i saw richard green with a group called c train which also featured peter rowan a couple other you know really well-known uh, you know folks larry adamanuick and really an all-star group and richard just you know changed my world completely that was it for me i was a fiddle player from then on now david bromberg tells me the difference between a fiddle and a violin is about three thousand uh, dollars what's your definition of the difference between a fiddle <laughs> yeah. and a violin well you know there's a couple of great ones you know i, I great uh, jazz violinist johnny figo told me that for him the difference between a violin and a fiddle was about three hundred dollars a week oh okay <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know of course no one cares to spill beer on a fiddle right? yeah so that's another one but uh, you know basically it's the same instrument as how you play it you've played with so many wonderful people over the years now i always associated you with folks like mike marshall how did you and mike get together well, Mike, you know, was a big fan of the David Grisman band, Quintet, and he was the first kid in Florida to buy that record. He was already running a little teaching studio. He, he couldn't have been more than 18, you know, at the time. Uh, but out of his, his parents' shed in the backyard in, in Florida, he learned just about every tune on that record, just as I had learned everything, every tune of David's from a previous concert. And I just learned everything 
that he had like from my bootleg tape of the concert that I made myself. And then Mike bought the record and learned everything off that record and showed up at David's house uh, right when, at like a really tough point in the evolution of the band. And he, you know, Mike sort of saved the band, I think, because there, you know, there's a lot of personnel changes and a lot of interesting, you know, just tough stuff that was going on and things that happen when a band gets successful, you know. And uh, Mike kind of showed up with his energy and his ability to play anything and uh, just kind of saved everything. And we bonded because I was, at, up to that point, I was the youngest guy in the band. And then when Mike showed up, he was the youngest guy in the band. So I got to be the big brother and, uh, you know, uh, make sure Mike knew what, what was, you know, the kind of things that were going on, you know, within the group and, and just so he wasn't, you know, kind of at sea you know trying to figure out well <laughs> why does uh you know somebody get really mad when somebody says this random word you know things like that you know like families right there's a, a lady up here that teaches piano she's taught all of my kids piano named beverly marks she used to play with david grisman back in the early 70s too i think she even went to europe with uh, grisman at one point did you know beverly at those date years i believe you know we we kind of ran into each other beverly yeah yeah she's uh you know, one of those folks that were kind of orbiting in and out, good musicians who were all kind of orbiting in and out of the, the, the situation. You know, it was back when musicians could afford to live in the Bay Area and there was so much going on right then and artistically. And uh, that was a nice time. Uh, it was good for its time. And now, uh, now we're here. <laughs> There's another guy that you used to play with every once in a while, or maybe a lot. And let's talk about him. He just passed away a year or so ago, Tony Rice. Oh, man, Tony. Yeah, boy, the guy, you know, Tony, you know, obviously, you know, the most influential bluegrass guitar player, arguably, um, you know, I mean, Doc Watson, Clarence White, Tony Rice. Yeah, you know, yeah. And Tony, maybe, you know, who had really adapted a lot of Clarence White's stuff and just, you know, kind of really supercharged it. There's a little club of people who were privileged to get to, you know, play in front of Tony's rhythm, you know, it sort of was like playing with Elvin Jones or somebody of that, you know, stature. He was probably the greatest rhythm guitar player I've ever, probably ever lived, I, I think, you know, I mean, there's Django, of course, there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of great rhythm guitar players, but I think Tony, you know, as far as just the level and, you know, subtlety of what he did, people always talk about his lead guitar playing, of course, because, you know, that's what you hear. But the the people that were privileged to play, you know, to get his rhythm behind you, really, not, you know, it's, it's a special experience. You know, I wish everybody could have had, but, you know, everybody couldn't have that. But I think it's it, it affects everybody. You know, I think you, if you talk to Joe Craven, you'll hear the same thing. There is a thing that Tony did that nobody else can do and uh, even you know we're talking we're hearing all about Bela Fleck's new beautiful bluegrass record right you're probably you're probably playing that oh, on yeah. the show and you know it's it's beautiful record Bela's you know he's a genius all these young folks he's got on there it's great plus the you know the, the, the his old friends but you know he didn't even want to make a bluegrass record for years because you know if you can't have Tony you, know, yeah. you just don't get that thing, you know, and nobody else does it. One of my favorite times watching Tony was when you were playing with him at Merle Fest and you guys did Manzanita with Sam Bush and Jerry <laughs> Douglas. Oh, man, yeah. 
wasn't that amazing yeah that's like yeah it's like you're in like a movie with clark gable and yes and arnold schwarzenegger and like i'm a character in a famous movie how did i get here what's going on like it must be a i had this weird dream felt it was like amazing thing you know so i you know if i can provide that kind of experience to the younger folks you know i'm i'm i'll have done my job well, we're talking with Daryl Anger. He's going to be playing at the Nevada Theater this coming Wednesday evening with Peter Wilson, Joe Craven, and John Girton. Daryl, well, we're just looking forward to having you come back to town. You were, you were one of us for a long time. You'll always be one of us. Oh, that's really sweet, Phil. That, that means a lot to me. And, you know, it means so much to be back and, and to see, see all the friends and, and uh, just get a charge of energy from beautiful foothills, man. There's no place like it. We've been talking with Daryl Anger. We'll see you next Wednesday. All right. That's our newscast for this Friday, October 15th. KVMR gets support from Craig Johnson Plumbing, serving Nevada and Placer counties since 2004. Partnering with Clear Water and Filtration to provide water testing and treatment home filtration system design, and existing equipment evaluation. Information at clearwaterandfiltration.com. And Nevada County Cannabis Alliance, a trade association representing the local cannabis industry, providing year-round get legit permitting and compliance education, emphasizing industry responsibility and environmental stewardship. Information at nccannabisalliance.org. Up ahead at 6.30, we have the California Report magazine. On this episode, an effort to tell the forgotten history of Chinese immigrants in Humboldt County. There used to be a thriving, vibrant Chinatown in Humboldt County. But in 1885, nearly all Chinese residents were expelled from Eureka. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.